Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Private Wealth Team at Safri Champlis. My name is Leonora Stevens, and I'm a partner in the Private Wealth Team based in Bristol. I'm delighted to be joined today virtually by Mike Hodges, who's the head of our Private Wealth Team at Safri's. Mike's based in Manchester. Hello, Mike. Hi, Leo. We are very lucky today to be joined by Simon Love, a senior manager in our tax advisory team based in Bristol. Hello, Simon. Hello, Leo and Mike. Um, So this is the first of two podcasts where Mike, Simon and I will be discussing all things crypto. Simon is part of our internal crypto experts team, and this consists of people all across the firm who have a specialism in this sector, whether it be from one of our sort of mainland offices or offshore being Guernsey or Geneva. Simon is excellent at demystifying crypto jargon, hence why we've invited him along today. Um, As always, I start off by sort of covering off why we're discussing this topic. And it's become such a hot topic over the last couple of years being crypto. And clients either seem really knowledgeable about it and sort of know all the tips and tricks, or you can see their eyes glaze over as they get lost in a sea of all the various different acronyms. So we thought it'd be useful to have a two-part series of podcasts. And this one will be more of a sort of beginner's guide to the lingo um, and things you should be aware of. I would also like to emphasise that we don't provide financial advice and this podcast is not going to give you any advice about which crypto you should be investing in or anything like that. But we will hopefully explain the terms and vocab and the various text implications. Uh, Sorry, in the next podcast, we will look at this in a bit more detail. So first things first, Simon, what are crypto assets and what sort of assets might people have heard of? Okay, so... I think it's easier to start out with a mouthful and then work down from there. Um, So a crypto asset is a cryptographically secured digital representation of value or contractual right that uses some form of distributed ledger, also known as a blockchain, and can be transferred, stored, or traded electronically. So to demystify that, um, we have a digital asset, so it doesn't physically exist anywhere. Um, and these assets are stored on on a blockchain, which is essentially a, a database, which can be updated by many different people. It's decentralized. It's not held in any particular place. Um, and those assets can be uh, stored, traded, moved around between um, members of that, of that network and um, people who hold uh, crypto wallets they can use them to trade for goods Um, and there's various different types of tokens which do different things Um, so to start with the the most famous example of a crypto asset which most people will probably have heard of uh, we look at one of the original cryptocurrencies which was called bitcoin Uh, so bitcoin functions as a as a store of value Uh, so it's um initially designed essentially to be used like like money to be traded for goods though it has become a an asset class in its own right in that it's it can be used as a store of value and people um trade bitcoins to to try and realize profits based on the fluctuation in price um some other famous uh crypto assets that you may have heard of uh there's another cryptocurrency called ethereum uh, and between Bitcoin and Ethereum, they they comprise about 60% of the total value of the, the crypto market as a whole. So those two assets are extremely dominant and, and very well known in the space. 
Um, moving to other types of crypto assets, you may have also heard about non-fungible tokens, uh, also known as NFTs. And I believe we're going to be talking about them slightly later on in the episode. Can I interrupt for a second, mm-hmm. Sam? So, so in theory, or in reality, the three of us on this podcast now could invent our own cryptocurrency. Uh, and, and it's then just somehow building a following, a reputation, something that gives it credibility. Because uh, if the three of us just said that's fine, no one would show any interest in it. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, yes, we could we could invent our own cryptocurrency if we wished and and use it to trade amongst ourselves. But um, obviously, if if nobody believes that that cryptocurrency has value, then they would not seek to invest in it. So so when cryptocurrencies launch, they tend to build up a following. You know, they these cryptocurrencies all have something unique about them, whether it's some kind of unique functionality or or something unique about the community behind them. Um, try and generate some some interest yeah. and hype in the currency because because as you say otherwise uh, it would have no no intrinsic value at all to the wider community. Yeah, and and this is another question which may be way beyond probably way beyond the scope of this <laughs> is me sitting here with my banking app on my phone and especially since lockdown one two and three hardly ever see cash everything is that that so. Sterling has become almost a crypto to to a large extent, hasn't it? I I think the key difference um, is that Sterling is is obviously a, a reserve backed, a, a sort of government backed uh, yes. fiat currency yeah. and official currency, um, whereas whereas cryptocurrencies are not. So yes, they yeah. both effectively um, function online. Um, but uh, there are some key differences between crypto assets and and your standard fiat currencies. Yeah, no, no, sure, because because the, the government stands behind sterling, whereas there is no one other than the kind of infrastructure for, let's say, Bitcoin standing behind the value of Bitcoin. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And so, what would be the process if 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 you know your average Joe blog said I want to invest in crypto? What would be the steps involved? Well, I mean, they, obviously, do they have an app or how does it work? And so the way most people would get into crypto uh, would be they would set up an account with a crypto exchange. Um, so a few examples of those would include uh, Coinbase, Binance, Crypto.com. Um, and they would set up an account with the exchange. Uh, the exchange would uh, go through know your client checks. Um, so you can't do this completely anonymously. Um, you would then send some some money to the exchange, and you could then use that money to to buy crypto assets of your choosing, just like you would with say a a stock dealing account where you you fund your account and then invest in in different stocks and shares. You can do the same with a with a crypto exchange. Once you've then acquired the the crypto, you can decide to leave the crypto on the exchange. Um, which is what is known as a as a hot wallet. You know, it's accessible online just using your own login information. Or some people choose to move their crypto off the exchange into their own um, wallet, off an offline wallet known as known as a cold wallet, uh, which offers slightly more in the way of security, but a little less in the way of accessibility. Okay, and then I suppose. Uh, you know, a point for our clients there is is what's going to be the tax position if they sell crypto, and is that looking at the cryptocurrency, or are we looking at 
the crypt the asset they bought with the cryptocurrency uh so if we deal with just buying it buying a cryptocurrency first so um if you buy a cryptocurrency just as a sort of as, as a speculative asset to try and see if it'll go up in value um any gains you make when you sell that cryptocurrency would be subject to capital gains tax if you're a, a uk resident investor um if you're involved in um there are certain crypto activities you can undertake which are known as mining or staking which are essentially um you are providing security to the network by by validating transactions as they go along uh, so you validate the transactions they get grouped into a block and added to the blockchain and um, and for doing that work which requires some intensive computing power uh, you you get a reward in the form of new cryptocurrency if you receive them that way that is uh, generally subject to income tax um so you have cgt on the sale you have income tax if you earn rewards from mining and staking um you can also as well as selling cryptocurrencies to realize a capital gain uh, you can also realize a disposal by way of using the cryptocurrency to purchase goods or services so there's a, there's a famous example from back in the early days of crypto when somebody used a large number of bitcoins to purchase a pizza um if you did that now um you would look at the 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 fiat equivalent value of the asset you've purchased and uh you would be deemed to have made a disposal of that amount and if you made a capital gain on that that capital gain would be taxable so some people uh don't realize that by um exchanging uh crypto assets for goods or services or indeed other crypto assets is is another key one and they can in fact realize capital gains and there can be some quite onerous calculations to find the the correct amount of tax due on that that's realizing a capital gain when you buy a pizza which is probably a, a first isn't it but i guess what that reflects in my mind being by a long way the oldest person on this um this podcast is that the tax rules are really the good old fashioned tax rules there's, there's nothing new yet to reflect crypto being such a new asset that we still have old rules around what capital gains and i guess that's going to be what affects 99% of people listening to this podcast isn't it that the, the the trading income mining staking bit is is going to be pretty rare and you're going to you're likely to know you're in that territory if that's where you are yeah that's that's precisely right and and that's a very important point you've made that we are we are applying old rules to new assets um so at the minute uh, there's been no new legislation at all put on the books regarding the taxation of crypto um there is a very useful hmrc manual uh, which goes into um quite some detail in, in some specific areas of crypto which require a bit more um interpretation shall we say um hmrc are consulting on um the taxation of a, a certain niche area of crypto known as decentralized finance uh, which is essentially where some crypto projects are trying to replicate the functions of traditional finance like loans um in the crypto space So HMRC are currently consulting on the taxation of that space and whether that requires any new legislation or guidance um 
and that consultation has just closed, so we're waiting to see what the, the result of that may be. I was just going to say, I think we, we may be due for a, a, a budget or, or an emergency statement from the Chancellor fairly soon. So I guess that, that may be something if I've had time to consider that, that comes up in a, an upcoming budget. Um, I suspect that for the next budget, this might be quite low down the priority list, but yes. I certainly wouldn't rule it out for, for, for a future budget. Yeah, yeah. I think what's what what's obvious to see though is the um the record keeping and how this is all sort of declared on your tax return is going to be pretty complicated for for sort of your uh sort of basic investor. I think that you know, and equally are the revenue going to be able to keep on top of of how you know of what people should be reporting i suppose it's difficult for them to get valuations and sort of all the flow through and again equally flowing through to someone who dies and holds crypto you know how is that valued on their you know on their rht return so it sounds like there's lots of things to be ironed out over time um yes absolutely i I can address a few of those um points that you raised there um, so, so on death, the the crypto would be would be valued at at the date of death, as with as with most other capital assets. Um, it crypto would not qualify for um, post mortem relief. So, one of the key uh, issues with crypto is the price goes up and down all the time. They're quite volatile, and with some other assets, if the value of the asset falls after the date of death, you can sometimes um, get what's called post-mortem relief where you pay a, a lower amount of inheritance tax on that um, but our view is that crypto assets would not qualify for this so you're essentially fixed at the the value at the date of death and and that value can be reached for most larger cryptocurrencies by by looking at the the market value like how was that crypto trading on that particular day um for some other more niche cryptocurrencies, which maybe aren't traded as widely, that valuation can be a, a difficult exercise and would definitely need specialist involvement. Um, On to the, the record keeping. Um, as you said, the, the record keeping can be quite onerous, and especially if you're quite an active trader who is is making lots of different transactions. Or if, for instance, you're into the world of um, mining and staking, then you can get lots of little bits of crypto and you need to keep track of them all. Some people do this themselves using spreadsheets, but you can also uh, pay to um, use some specially designed software which will will track your, your crypto income gains and losses, summarize it nicely so you can put it on your tax return in the relevant way. I suppose you also need to, you know, if you're investing heavily in crypto, you need to be aware of the fact that, for example, if if we took on a new client whose wealth was mainly generated from crypto, and also if you move to a you know a, a normal sort of investment house, you need to provide a source of your wealth and source of funds, and so that's something I suppose people need to keep on tra- on top of is is to be able to identify where all those funds are, which you know, if they are wheeler dealing in different cryptos, it's it's slightly harder to to keep on top of, um, but. You know, that's modern. That's a, a modern, modern issue, modern age issue, isn't it? Really? Gosh, I sound really old when I say modern age issue. Anyway, <laughs> um, the scary but, bit for me, Leo, is this, this concept of uh, what was my password for that, and for, <laughs> just complain forgetting <laughs> password, and then the whole lot 
presumably is, is lost. Whereas going back to my bank account analogy, I suppose at least I can go into the local branch and say, help me, please. Yeah, exactly. Well, on that note, um, uh, I hope you have all enjoyed uh, listening to this podcast today. Um, so thank you, Simon and Mike, um, for uh, discussing uh, sort of the beginner's guide to podcasts. So we could be here for hours, I think, talking about this. Um, so at Safaris, we work with a wide range of clients. Uh, many are UK-based and many live overseas but have interests here, whether that's property, business interests or investments. We advise individuals and families on how best to safeguard, maintain and enhance their wealth and on the most appropriate methods of passing on that wealth to the next generation. We also help people comply with the tax rules in the UK, which can be complex. If you'd like to find out more about Safri Chapness and how we can help you, please head over to the Safri Chapness website at www.safri.com. However, it is important for me to stress that if you're considering any of the topics discussed today, you should always take professional advice based on your individual circumstances. Thank you for listening.